Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to theluperez.locals.com and join the Lou Perez community. If you join, you'll get to listen to the podcast early. You'll get to watch my sketch comedy early, as well as experience other exclusive content. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you're looking for another way to support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. So if you're into cold brew, I highly recommend Black Organic Cold Brew. Head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code LOU, that's L-O-U, and you'll get free shipping. And if you're into CBD products, please check out Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com. And if you use the code LOU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off as well. All right, here we go. I am so happy to be joined by Keith London and Darian Hogg, a.k.a. Chu. They are the stars of the documentary Pigeon Kings. And I also have the film's director, uh, Milana uh, Pastreich. Milena Pastreich. Milena Pastreich. You know, I, I need to I need to start every one of my podcasts with an amazing screw up. So I'm very glad that I got that one out of the way. Um, I, uh, I, I got to talk about just how I found your documentary Pigeon Kings. Uh, thank, uh, thankfully, uh, Amazon seems to know me and know what I, uh, Amazon Prime in particular, know what I'm, what I'm into. And one night my wife and I were sort of scrolling through stuff and we saw Pigeon Kings and we're like, ah, what is this? And we played the trailer and the trailer sold us. We were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta watch this. So for anyone out there who's making films, who's making documentaries, it's so crucial to have a great trailer. They obviously have great characters and a great story to tell, but to have a trailer that really sells it. And you guys did, uh, did such a job, uh, such a great job with that. Um, for those, for the uninitiated, I'm wondering if, uh, uh, Keith, if you could tell us a little bit about the activity that is centered around Pigeon Kings and what is this competition and, uh, and to, to those who, who might not know about it, what's, what, what's going on with that? Well, um, we, we like a community of guys that raise roller pigeons. A roller pigeon is a pigeon that does somersaults, does backward somersaults. Um, and we've formed these clubs and we compete. When Pigeon Kings is about is the World Cup prelims and competition and the daily stuff we go through outside of the hobby just to maintain ourselves within the hobby. Basically, that's what Pigeon Kings basically is. We tell the stories, our stories, of what we have to deal with besides just the pigeons and then how the pigeons are there for us as refuge, comfort, and other things to some. They're a therapy for some. No, just that's what we do. So, so I'm in. I'm from New York, so I have I have a I would say a negative relationship with New York pigeons. Okay. Um, how how are roller pigeons different from the New York pigeons that I have to deal with every day of my life? Okay, roller pigeons are actually domesticated. They most all all roller pigeons except the ones that are just get to the wild. They all they all owned by somebody else. And they are trained to 
go out flatter time and come home. They don't hang around sitting on wires, pooping on cars, and digging all, all through the streets. They out performing back in. And we vaccinate them for all kinds of diseases, keep them from getting diseases or the causing us sick. So it's they're very well taken care of and they're a lot prettier. They are they are definitely and um and uh Chu, you um in the documentary, you were sort of, it seemed like you were kind of more new to the game um, where Keith has been in it for a while. What was the attraction for you um, to, to get involved with, with Roller Pigeons and to invest so much time and, and money uh, behind it as well? Well, you know, when you get involved with the Pigeons, man, it's like once you get that bug, man, it, just, it traps you. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to understand the birds. I learned a lot from Keith. But it's not that easy. I thought it was going to be real easy. It wasn't. Very hard. Especially when you're green. It's really hard when you're green. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Milana, how, how did you how did you come about um, these guys? How did, were you a were you a, a pigeon aficionado yourself? Or <laughs> no, no, I um, I was making a scripted short film. And the film, one of the locations was a pigeon coop. So I was location scouting pigeon coops all over LA and then went to some guy's backyard to look at his pigeon coop and he released his pigeons and they all started doing somersaults in the air. And when at, in the film, you see a lot of the somersaulting pigeons and a lot of it is in slow motion. But if you see it with your eyes, it looks like they're just sort of tumbling very rapidly towards the ground and then they like get back up and join the group. And I was, um, I was just amazed that I didn't, had no idea these pigeons existed. And he invited me to a lawn show, which is a pigeon auction, similar to the one in the film. He invited me to one of those. And there are hundreds of men wearing pigeon t-shirts in a backyard auctioning off pigeons and Keith was actually in that backyard too I met him that very first day and um, I mean I was hooked immediately just because the passion in the community and the that when you're walking around that pigeon that backyard full of pigeon enthusiasts they're literally all talking about pigeons there was no there was no other topic i was like oh my god this is surreal this is a surreal world that i've entered and i want to make a movie about it so this this happens all over the world right you, you said that there's a, a a world cup of pigeons keith have you ever have you competed on that on that scale on that grand stage of the world yes. cup yes i have several times yeah and where, where, where do those take place? Is it uh, is it every four years, like like the World no. Cup of Soccer, or no? Okay. It's every well, not since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, they they just canceled the one for this year, so it just got canceled like last week or so. But it happens every year between April first and um, maybe early June, maybe depending on the regions and weather and all that kind of stuff. But every year we do it every year. Um, we have we have a um, two rounds. We have a qualifying round, and then you have the finals. Um, and you could we compete world. Well, I, we compete locally. What the judge does is we we hire local judges to judge our local competitions, and then the top three of said 
competition go on to, to fly in the finals. And then we have one judge that, that fly all over the, the world to go judge all these kids. Backyard to backyard to backyard. That's what he does. Wow. And it's, it's like a free vacation for him. <laughs> it's, it's good to be a judge. Well, I, I was wondering with the judge just how fast they, they have to count every single turn, right? Like how, how do they manage to do that? Or Well, as you fly and fly, the more you fly, the more you get out and see pigeons, your eyes kind of adjust to being able to, to score, count the birds, but it's not really like one, two, three, four, five. It happens too quick. It's like, boom, you got to go five. And you got to go, boom, seven. And your eyes get acclimated to, to be the to catch as many birds as possible that roll the correct distance and the proper rolling style. So it's like you're taking a mental picture and you're assessing the picture within a fraction of a second until the next break comes. And they judge and break. So once one um, break is over with, then they fly a little bit more and they do it again and so forth. And the more practice you have, the better you can get at it. But you're never going to be 100% accurate because the mm-hmm. human eye is not that fast. Yeah, and and that's why I, I really loved um, in the documentary, like you said, where there's so much footage of the pigeon slowed down. So, for one, it 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 works so well as 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 a nice um, transitionary tool that you used in the in the storytelling. But then also, it's just watching all of these birds in unison performing together was uh, was really wild. Um, I, I was wondering, I, I was expecting. Uh, there to be, uh, I don't know, more drama on the side of like judges, like, are you kidding me? Uh, this bird, you know, you know, did this many or the, the you know? It does happen. It, it's got it. It's got to happen <laughs> after after the fact. Oh yeah, it's there. It's there. Yeah, and uh, Chu, uh, how how are your uh, your birds doing now? Well, how are all your birds doing? I mean, this has been such well, right an insane now, time. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right right now. I got quite a few kids over there getting ready. I had them out there this morning. Yeah, I was wondering what what sort of um, COVID restrictions there would be on on the on the birds flying. I mean, I guess I guess the one good thing is I I, I think the coronavirus that originates from bats, so you got not birds, so you're cool with that, you know. So it's not like anyone's trying to fly bats around or or anything like that. But, but we do yeah. have a problem though, like. Before the coronavirus, we had a in California we had a um a quarantine because of the, of the exotic Newcastle disease. It's a disease that affects chickens, pigeons, ducks, almost all, just about all birds. And we had a, a quarantine for two years where we couldn't even fly or do anything for, for, for that for that um for all of nineteen with starting 2018, 18, 19, and twenty or Wow. Like two and a half years actually we couldn't fly anything so we couldn't compete even when the before the COVID stuff even happened we still couldn't compete wow so not I, in california so how, how long has it been since since your, your last competition my last competition was 2000 i want to say 16. wow you're talking about for the newcastle i think it's been for almost me. three years yeah three for years. me it was 2016. I, I stopped competing before new newcastle came oh okay and that's the one that's in the film. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the last competition I competed in that one. What's it been like walking away from from the game? Well, I still had pigeons. I just okay. wasn't competing, mm-hmm. so I still had the birds. So you know, it, was, I, it was all right. And then the game, 
dudes gonna hate me for this. The game wasn't that competitive while I was going anyway. So I was like, okay, I'm not missing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how I felt. I mean, I watched the scores. The scores are very low. I was like, okay, I'm not missing anything. I'm, I'm thinking of like when when Jordan was like, you know what, I'm gonna go play baseball for a while. Like I'm like wondering if there's another animal uh, that you're like, you know, what, I'm gonna do a dog show or something like that. See, you a know, completely different competition. <laughs> Oh no! Maybe he might. <laughs> I'm back. Maybe he now. might. The birds for us, though. Yeah, gotta be the birds. So when when there's um, you know, when there's a disease like you talked about, you know, go, going around, how, how do you protect your birds uh, from that? You know, how what what can you what can you do? Other, I mean, you have to let them fly, right? Well. No, they had, they had a no-fly rule. We couldn't fly or we couldn't do anything. Um, there was um, posing, posing, um, people was getting what, fines on people for getting caught flying their birds? Yeah. Up to a, up to $1,000 for flying your birds. Wow. Much. Or they would come and take all your birds and kill them? If they, because they, they only kill your birds if they um if they found any bird on your property sick. If one bird was sick, they all were sick. They, they would they consider it like that, and they was killing all the birds on property. So what I did was not bringing no birds, not send out any birds. Um, I flew some birds later, like when it was close to being over. Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of it, I didn't fly birds anyway. So I just had pigeons here and there. I just had them at my friend's house. I didn't want to at my house. But anyway, we just, I, it was easy for me because I wasn't in that arena right then anyway. So it was easy for me to stay away from everybody anyway. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to the shows. I didn't go to no flies. And, and I vaccinate my birds already anyway. And most guys wait till their birds get sick until they fast them. I do mine every other year, faithfully. Period. No matter what. Mm -hmm. so. there, there's so much great stuff that happens in the uh, in, in the dock, and you know you you're, you're bringing us into a world that so few people people know about. Um, there's one part where was it was it a hawk or a falcon that you had to take out um, because it was it was going after the birds. It was a hawk. It was a hawk. And, um, you know, there's like news footage and stuff. And the news footage is trying to make it like you're like this, like an evil guy going after this hawk. But meanwhile, you're you're defending these helpless birds against, a, you know, this animal of prey. Yeah, it's well, you know, people have their own narratives about things. I mean, the thing about that was. It wasn't like I went hunting. Like you said, we didn't go hunting. Right. The bird actually came in the backyard where I was. Just like if a mountain lion jumped over your fence and tried to get your dog. I see it, I see it no different than that. If a mountain lion jumped over somebody's fence and grabbed a the dog, they come out and kill either kill it, tranquilize it and carry it away or something like that. But a falcon or a hawk, it's like free game. I guess it's free game until it grabs one of their dogs. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Chew, have you had to beat the shit out of any hawks? Is it <laughs> no, you know throw what, down? You know what I learned, man? Is when you're in California, you got to breed a lot of birds, man, because that's a serious problem over here because they breed those birds for the regular common pigeons, but our birds don't go nowhere. So our, our birds are easy targets, and we feed them good. You know, you want, you want McDonald's or <laughs> filet mignon? You don't pick that filet mignon every time. Yeah. 
Well, well, I remember that I remember seeing the footage, um, and, and I don't know if it, if it was stock footage or footage that that that, that you got, uh, you know, about um, like basically these predatory birds just kind of hanging out, waiting for for one of the birds to leave to leave the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you you're, you managed to shoot like an urban nature documentary while at the same time doing this competitive, uh, you know, capturing this competitive world. Um, did, did it change the way that, that you thought that you think about nature, about animals? Do you, do you eat, do you eat chicken a different way now? Like how do you- <laughs> I actually don't eat chicken. Okay. I, yeah. I don't eat meat. So I love, I love animals and, but it certainly opened my eyes to the birds in the sky around me here in the city you know before I would never now you can be driving in your car and look up and you can actually see rollers people who are flying their rollers from their backyard you might see them or sometimes there's a stray in with um, just regular street pigeons and you see them rolling your eyes are just like suddenly open to this whole new world or at least mine were from shooting this doc and that wasn't stock footage it was all footage that we shot wow and uh where did where did the roller pigeons come from originally where where did they start start out birmingham oh, england birmingham england mm-hmm. um yeah keith you want to elaborate well a guy named bill pensum brought him here um he was hired to come take care of somebody else's birds that had been important birds from England and to help him get, you know, manage his birds and get and teach him about his birds. So that guy gave him a job working, but he brought him here. And then that's why they called Pensum Rollers because of his name, Bill Pensum. They come from Birmingham, England. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there on, I went, well, that was way before my time, but the story said he brought him here to, to show guys um, a different, breed of pigeon that can roll with, as they put it, inconceivable speed, mm-hmm. in- inconceivable rapidity mm-hmm. uh, downwards. So, and that was a new breed here. And when he came here, it, that, that it just took off. It took off and became the, the cornerstone of, of, of roller pigeons, period. There were, all, there were p- roller pigeons here before that, but those, these birds were, were by far better as far as quality and everything else. And then from there, different guys got them and then created all kinds of clubs and competitions came up where it was local guys. You know, and that and now then the World Cup came in the early, late, mid, early 90s. I think early 90s. And then oh, so it's fair. So it's fairly new then the, the competition if, if it's uh, the, the World, World Cup. Cup is, yeah. National yeah. Fly might have been there before that one. Mm-hmm. What's going on when the pigeon is rolling? Is mm-hmm. uh, like what's going on in their in, in their body in their brain? Like what is it? Is there an evolutionary component to it? Or you know what? That right there is a the billion dollar question. Nobody has figured that out yet. Nobody has figured totally what's actually happening. All I know is, if we're up to Mother Nature, they wouldn't do it. So what we did is. What we are doing, we are cultivating a genetic fault. And we'll be doing this how we do, we do that by selection. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you select the birds. To make it simple, we select the birds that 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 perform in unison to the highest degree or to the highest percentages, and keep breeding those birds over and over back to each other to maintain or enhance the qualities we have set forth in the birds. So, what Bill Pinson set forth, we're trying to maintain it or enhance it. And that's all we're doing. We're trying to, all we're doing is cultivating them genetic fault. Because genetically, it shouldn't be happening. It's what you call an, an um, anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and Chu, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the doc, uh, I know you got at least one bird from, uh, uh, from Keith. Uh, is that bird still around? Or are they no, still, still eating filet mignon? No? No, man. It didn't make it. Oh, sorry. It happens like that sometimes. You know, you can't you can't base your whole family off one bird sometimes, but some people do it. But sometimes you can't have no favorite bird in this hobby because it seems like whatever you like, the predator like it just as much as you like it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, so, uh, and before we, we we were talking a little bit, uh, you uh, you, you have a barber shop uh, that, that's, uh, that's your trade outside of, uh, yeah. you know, working, working with the birds. And, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, how COVID has been affecting that. And maybe we could just talk about that. Like just in general, how COVID has been, uh, the last year or so has been, has impacted everybody's, everybody's life who worked on this, on this project. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. Especially the hobby. It seems like since the COVID, all the stuff that have to do with the birds, all that stuff is off the list. Mm -hmm. we, all the shows and all that stuff people barely get a chance to come hang out even though we sneak here and there and have a little something here and there but not like it used to be so we wait for this COVID to be over with yeah so we can get back to bird now like we used to same Keith what? well yes pretty pretty much it has slowed down a lot I mean, I mean COVID has affected us hobby, hobby a whole lot because we, yeah, we don't hang out as much we can hang out well, this will be this month will usually be our first show in March, and then from here on out, it'd be from here to all the way to October, it'd be a total of about eight different shows. So, um, yeah, we don't hang out, you know, we don't we haven't been hanging out flying too many pigeons. We would go just go hang out just to watch each other's birds fly. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, we go do that, you know, but since yeah, social distancing is like, like if if. If I don't think it's gonna be able to be social distancing at, at a place where people hang out, I won't even go. Yeah. You know, so and I know at some places everybody talking about going, I say, oh, no, that's, that's too small a space, man. No way. I watch I watch the live feed that they're gonna do, and that's all I've been doing. I wanna get out there like that. I want to. I don't think I I think I want to more so as a service to the hobby, more so, because it's not really for me. I mean, now I don't. I think I want to get out there just so I can start guiding the guys in the right direction. Because I think since all of this has happened, the hobby has taken a turn uh, and not for the better, for the worst as far as competition, but their their willingness to be friends and comrades has increased a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, the young, this new generation, they, they try and do some stuff, but I think they're being guided wrong as far as the Birmingham Road itself. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the only reason why I want to step in a little bit. For that reason, yeah, I, I, I feel like not enough attention is is paid to the the importance of of groups like um, that 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 you guys are a part of with you know uh, with the rollers, um, 
you know, the idea of you guys getting together all the time, uh, competing, talking shit, uh, having fun. And then it's like, boom, that's over. Like that can have a, you know, just a, a they still talk shit. They still talk. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess talking internet, shit never ends, right? On the internet, oh my God, it gets so bad, I don't even want to go listen to him sometimes. <laughs> Who's the worst guy on the internet, Keith? Huh? Who talks the most stuff on the internet? You and George Aldana. <laughs> oh, no, we got, we're going to have to call up George. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, you know what, though? But like, like, like this groups like this, it's like, when, when the stuff happened to me with the federal government, okay, I, under, I understood what it was about, but I didn't agree with it, what they were doing because the person, I don't think he did it because he cared about the Hawks. See, that's the thing. That's that's the only part that, that bothers me about the things. I don't think he cared anything about the Hawks or, or them dying. I don't think he could care less. Mm -hmm. He probably even paid attention to a Hawk again since that happened. I think that was to get money and political gain for whatever he was about to do next. That had to be. He didn't care. I don't think he cared about the Hawks. They don't. They don't. Half people when we went to court didn't even know Hawks even existed in California. <laughs> so, but but what they got? But I, my problem with that whole the whole situation was they went all that way to do that to put all of us in that in that situation where our families could have been affected for a hawk. Okay, understand. But the hawk was was taking away my means for help taking care of my family. So it's like. Really, so it's more important that a hawk live than my family eat. And that's how I was looking at it. That's how I took it. And and I'm still taking it away because look look at all the stuff we, we were doing then. We was helping all the youth organizations, churches, we were helping all these people when they needed help. And why would you why would you attack something like that? Not because kidneys are bad. Our kidneys, if you didn't, if the hawk thing never happened, people half people wouldn't even know the kidneys world even existed. Like Melina, she tell you she didn't even know it even existed. We have black, white, Hispanic, Asian, bloods, crips, uh, motorcycle people, dentists, doctors, lawyers, professional athletes, all these people in one yard, no arguments, and get along. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to interrupt something like that? Right. I mean. The Birmingham Road has done something that no other agency has ever done. We got brown, black, white, Asian, bloods, crips, crips, they fight other crips. We normally kill each other on site in the same yard, talking and everything because of a Birmingham Roller. Why would you want to interrupt something like that? Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that that's one of the, I think a great possibility of, of the documentary and more people seeing it is you end up seeing this, the positivity that can come out of this, this strange, wild world, you know, that could really bring, bring people together. And um, yeah, and what, what impact has, you know, the, like, like you're, you're running with, you know, with the feds had like, you know, years, years later, like what, what, what other repercussions has that had in, in, in your own life? You know? Well, um, well, I had to shut down the business because after that, nobody really wanted to come. They think the feds still watch them. Nobody really wanted to come. So that had, had to shut down. Wow. Um, 
this out. There's not much. I, once when I was on probation, there was no problem because I wasn't doing anything wrong anyway. So there was no mm-hmm. no thing to find. I mean, to find the the, the roller community came together to help us with the fine. So that wasn't a big problem. I mean, we had guys from all over the world helping us. I mean, all over the United States helping us help us with the fines, pay the fines. So other than that, it's just another little notch in your record. It's a misdemeanor, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Let me tell people, if you're killing hawks, you say, ain't no hawks out here. I said, okay. Okay, that's all I can say. Well, it's like they set up shop outside your place and like we're filming it. I, I mean, that I'm, I'm just thinking about the amount of like manpower, the amount of money, you have surveillance technology that was used in order to take down a man who killed a hawk, you know? Yeah. The guy went undercover. How long was he undercover? A year and a half? No. 18 months. What? Yeah, he went undercover and pretended to be a pigeon enthusiast and became all buddy buddy with all of them. How did uh, how did he do that? Like how, um like what were some of the I don't know how do you how do you dress as a pigeon enthusiast? How do you regular just yeah, every day jeans and t shirt? The way you describe it, it's like Eddie, yeah, you you got people from all over the place who come who come together. Man, I can't imagine. Man, there there are people plotting to blow shit up. There are people, you know, trying to assassinate people. And this dude's going deep cover, 18 months. They infiltrated a pigeon club. Wow. Yeah, it's bad. What was your best part of the movie you liked? You know what? I, I have to say, um, I loved uh, I, I loved hearing you guys talk about uh, about the sport. Uh, and all that, but my favorite, favorite part, and I think it was the most poignant, and I'm not, I'm not giving anything away. Everyone needs to go see this uh, documentary. At the end, after all the competition, after all the birds and all that, we see, I, I believe it's Keith, cleaning up the coop and cleaning up the bird shit. And for me, that was such, a, that was such an important moment where it's like all the fun, all of the, you know, the excitement, the entertainment. But at the end of the day, you still got to take care and you still got to clean up the mess that, that's left over in order to take care of these birds. And I, I thought that 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 nailed it. So uh, bravo, uh, brava to the uh, to the filmmaker for that. That's great. Yeah, really that was, filming that was just so much fun. <laughs> 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 Filming Keith clean, it takes him, it takes you hours to clean it. How often? Yes, it does. How often do you got to clean a, do you have to clean a coop like that? Well, it's the thing, the thing with the coop, why I designed it is so that the key is for everything to stay dry. When stuff starts getting moist and wet, that's when all the problems start sickness, you know, stuff like that. But as long as my floor stayed dry, it was simple. I would just, rake over it which is like every two weeks but, but nobody never saw that but when it come down to really cleaning it you gotta clean each individual breeding pen one by one and there's 32 of them in there and take about almost two about three minutes each see that, that's what it's time all the water and bottles water. all the feeders and then scrape the floor and get it up out of there yeah like yeah. Wow, but you don't do it now I, I didn't do it that often maybe three months maybe 
but during the off season, you don't have to party in between at all because there's not no babies. They don't eat as much, so it's not as a as big of a mess as it's during the breeding season when you got them breeding. They eat a high protein food, so they pooping even more, mm-hmm. and they feeding babies, and the babies are pooping, so it's no more. Thing. I well, one one day in, in New York, I was I got pooped on twice. I went and I changed my shirt. And I came back out and I got pooped on again. And it was pigeons. It was pigeons. Dude, I it was like there was a, a pigeon assassin. I just coming, just coming for me. I wish there was a hawk in the neighborhood around that time to take care of that pigeon. I never got my revenge. Probably wouldn't have wanted that one. The probably would have. There he is. <laughs> he wants a good one. There yeah. he is. Let's get him. So what up? Uh, looking for the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what are, what are what's everyone's plans uh moving forward you know I'm, I'm hoping that you know that that soon you guys are able to you know to get together to um, you know associate again okay well hold on Keith but how about how about uh chew what, what what do you got planned what's what's the f- future look like for you well right now I got uh seven kits and I've been flying j- trying to get ready for this season and you know Try to do my best. Mm-hmm. Got to do your best. Just you learn something new every year. Got to keep going. Win, lose, or draw. You got to keep going. Right on. Any uh, um, any new uh, films uh, in the uh, in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, I'm working on a script um, that I've been working on quite some time. So hopefully, it'll happen soon. It's. Um, a story about a woman with two lives. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Have to see that one. If you, if you need a roller a roller pigeon, uh, we know that you could definitely uh, definitely get that cast real real easy. And uh, uh, Keith, what what about yourself? What what's the future hold for you? Like he over there disconnected. Oh, there you go. He's he's keeping us waiting. (laughs) Good now. Are you okay, Mr. London? Yeah, my um, I had my phone on at the same time, so that's right. I'm double I'm double recording right now. Okay. Uh, so so Keith, I was just asking everybody what the uh the future holds. What would you have planned uh, coming up, and anything you're excited about? Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna compete this year. That's my plan. I'm planning on competing this year. And I'm coming back. Comp- yeah, I'm trying to come back. I'm trying to come back and do like Jordan did, take a re- retirement, come back and start winning again. There you go. Uh, but I'm trying to do a ca- I'm doing a, a fly for cancer this year. I'm hosting a fly for cancer. And that's what I'm kind of pushing toward right now. I want to, I really want to do that. Because so many times we have flies where we reward ourselves, trophies, money, trophies, money, just for us. And it's been a long time since we gave back to an organization. So I decided to do um, for cancer because cancer has affected all of us in some way. Um, I know everybody has a friend or a friend that has a cancer has taken their lives. So why not do a fly for that? Nice. That's right. Well, 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 when that happens, you know, I hope you guys let me know about it. Cause I'd love to uh, share that with, uh, uh, with my, my listeners and my watchers. Um, 
yeah so for one i just want to thank you uh thank you all again for you know taking the time to to join me i want to thank you for making such a such a great film and uh, i hope more people see it i hope more people see pigeon kings it's uh one of those documentaries that that you aren't gonna you're not gonna forget and uh one of the coolest things about you know the the age that we live in is that you know i have the opportunity to reach out to uh amazing filmmakers and to thank them directly for their work so thank you so much for uh for making that oh, you're very welcome cool Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support the show, please head over to thelouperez.locals.com and go ahead and support my sponsors. Black Organic Cold Brew, head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use the promo code LOU for free shipping. And if you head over to Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com and use the promo code LOU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off. All right, later.